Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are continuing our two-part spotlight on trumpet great Lee Morgan. This is part two. This episode will focus on recordings with Lee Morgan as a consummate sideman. And you'll be surprised at just how many jazz greats Lee Morgan has played with and how many jazz classics he has been a part of. So this is, as I said, part two. Um, The first part is a previous episode entitled Lee Morgan Leader. And that episode focuses on 12 tracks with Lee Morgan uh, as the leader in those particular sessions, um, all for Blue Note Records. I will say that in this particular episode, all of these titles are Blue Note Records except for one. So, yeah, so you are in for some great listening, either, and it doesn't really matter which episode you listen to first, whether it's this one with Lee Morgan as a sideman, or the first one, which is Lee Morgan as a leader, Uh, they are chocked full of great jazz tracks. To get your mind off of any of the ales of, of your day, your week, your month, or even your year, so, anyway, um, yes, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for letting us be a part of your day and your listening experience. Remember, uh, we're not making a dime off this, so if you know somebody who would dig these tracks and it would help get their mind off things as well, please pass it on. We're doing nothing but sending out good vibes here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast. So sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy 12 tracks with Lee Morgan, Consummate Sideman as our two-part spotlight on the trumpeter here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
stellar tracks right there Woof. um okay so to open this up let me explain in case this is the first episode you're listening to instead of part one it follows along the same rules as part one in that out of these 12 tracks that we're going to be playing in this episode they are all going to be chronological with lee morgan as the sideman um, that way you get to hear and experience kind of the artistic development uh, that happened in Lee Morgan's playing. Now, if you want more biographical info about um, the beginnings of Lee Morgan's, uh, you know, uh, into trumpet and, and how he got started and you know where he was born and things like that, you'll have to listen to the first episode. I'm not going to repeat that kind of stuff for, for those of you who want to listen to both episodes. Um, so what we're going to mainly be focusing on is the, the sessions and the sidemen and the tunes that Lee Morgan played as a sideman in this episode. Okay. So, but they will be chronological just so you know. Okay. That being said, let's dissect what we just heard in that first set. So the tune that we opened with was the great uh, Jerome Kern standard all the things you are that is one of the top 10 standards that gets called even to this day at jazz jam sessions so um, this particular track comes from a Johnny Griffin Blue Note album called A Blowing Session uh, from 1957 to be specific, April 6th, 1957, at Rudy's Place, Rudy Van Gelder, in uh, his studio in Hackensack, New Jersey. So, take a listen at who is on this star-studded track that you just heard to open up the set. Lee Morgan, of course, is on trumpet. That is our, our, our focus here, is Lee Morgan as a sideman. But besides Lee Morgan, he is joined by a trio a trio of saxophonists, and not just that, a trio of tenor saxophonists. Johnny Griffin's one of them. Hank Mobley is the second one, and the third one is the one and only great John Coltrane. On piano, we heard Wynton Kelly. On bass, Mr. PC himself, Paul Chambers. And if you are interested in finding out more about Paul Chambers, we have a spotlight in our archives that you can listen to here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast where we do a a whole focus episode just on bassist Paul Chambers. So be sure and check that out if you're interested in more great jazz bass. And then on the drums for this session, the one and only Art Blakey. So first of all, you can hear Johnny Griffin take like two or three courses i believe it was three and it's just guns blazing i mean this guy has the fastest fingers on the tennis saxophone it's just it's mind-boggling just how fast he can go i mean god bless man and then right after johnny griffin we hear john coltrane and it's such a shift in tone uh 
patterns, ideas, um, that it, 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 you can just tell like a, a different, you know, color scheme has happened. It's like going from blue to red, you know what I mean? Or from green to yellow. It's just blam, you know. And it doesn't take long before train kind of gets going, you know, and then he starts flying his fingers on the tennis saxophone. And then our man Lee, Lee Morgan comes in with some beautiful stuff and then Hank Mobley. And then there's some great um, rhythmic conversation things going on between Art Blakey and the soloists. Wenton Kelly has a great solo on that too. So yeah, and there's only four tracks on the album, but that, I mean, that, that clocked in just over 10 minutes with 10 minutes and 14 seconds, but killer, killer, killer music. So I do hope that you enjoyed that one. And then speaking of John Coltrane, that's who we heard in the middle of that set. We heard Blue Train from his Blue Note album, Blue Train. And that, it's one of the essential jazz tracks in, in the entire jazz canon. I mean, that's one that, that hooks people in, is Blue Train. You know, you've got like So What with Miles Davis. Uh, you've got a couple of others like Song for My Father with Horace Silver. But this one, this one by Coltrane is one of the ones that hooks them in, is Blue Train. And you know it right from the get-go, what track it is. Uh, it opens up the album. It's it's continuously associated with Coltrane and, and his wonderful improvisational prowess but he's not the only one killing it on solos lee morgan is also on this this session all throughout the album and he's killing it too so besides john coltrane on tender sax we have lee morgan on trumpet curtis fuller on the trombone kenny drew on the piano again mr pc paul chambers on the bass and the great philly joe jones on the drums no doubt Coltrane took Philly Joe and Paul Chambers from the Miles sessions that he was working on about this time because this was recorded in January of 58. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm doing a session with Blue Note. Y'all want to come? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. You know, um, but yeah, some killer, killer solos on, on that. I certainly hope you enjoyed that. Then we had an extended, extended, extended track in which we heard the sermon which is an original blues written by jazz organist, in fact, the godfather of jazz organ, if we're being honest, Jimmy Smith. So this comes from Jimmy Smith's Blue Note album, The Sermon, um, which was recorded, let's see, February 25th, 1958. So this is literally a month later from the Blue Train session just so you know. Um, And this is another just absolutely killer lineup. So, of course, Jimmy Smith's on the organ because it's his session as a leader. Um, Kenny Burrell's on guitar. uh, And on some tracks, it's Eddie McFadden. Uh, Donald Bailey and Art Blakey share the drum responsibilities on this album because they were recorded at two different sessions. Um... Curtis Fuller's on the trombone. Lou Donaldson's on the alto saxophone. Tina Brooks is on the tenor saxophone. Um, and then on our trumpet is our spotlight artist, Lee Morgan. And the solos, we, we hear the melody, 
And then we hear Jimmy Smith kind of taking his organ solo, laying it out like, okay, we're going to just let this thing cook low and slow and for a while, you know, and that's exactly what they do. And then after the organ solo, which is just killer, by the way, um, it's followed by Kenny Burrell's guitar solo. Then Lou Donaldson's Sweet Lou, living legend, I might add, Sweet Lou Donaldson. Uh, Alto saxophone solo, then a tenor sax solo by Tina Brooks. Then we hear our man, Lee Morgan, and his trumpet. And there's a lot of great rhythmic conversationalism going on. And when I say that, uh, I mean that it's not necessarily guns blazing right up front, but it's more like bleep up, bop, bop, bleep up. And then you'll hear the drums or the piano or the bass or the organ or the guitar. Like, complement that conversation. It's almost like finishing sentences in a musical way. So, really, really cool stuff going on there. <clears throat> as far as Jimmy Smith goes, he is another uh, lion for the Blue Note catalog. He's one of the artists that is associated with that record label, uh, like few others. You know, Lee Morgan is definitely one of them with the uh, albums as a leader in his own right. But Art Blakey's another one. Horace Silver's another one. Uh, Andrew Hill's another one. And definitively Jimmy Smith for his albums on Blue Note. They just absolutely cook. And in fact, Alfred Lyon, who was the uh, owner of Blue Note Records, was so enthused and enamored with Jimmy Smith, he said there, and he he joked with his wife, I don't know how much he was joking, but because she said he was pretty serious about it at one point, he thought, you know, I'm thinking about just like selling, you know, the record label and just like going on tour as a roadie with Jimmy Smith, because that's how much Alfred Lyon loved Jimmy Smith. So there you go. Um, but yeah, all three of those great tracks feature our man in our spotlight as the consummate sideman, trumpeter Lee Morgan. And, um, yeah, he is just an absolute killer player, no matter what session he is a part of. And we're going to hear a lot more of that. Remember, you can find the Dodge Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Podcast, Podbean, whatever. We are there. And if you know somebody who would love these kind of uh, tracks and these kind of episodes, please pass it on to them. Remember, we're not making a dime off this, so this is truly just a labor of love. Uh, in fact, we actually have to pay to upload these onto a platform. Um, so yeah, we'd love to uh, have as many listeners as possible and get as many good vibes out there as possible. Okay. Also, if you have a quick minute, feel free to leave us a a positive review if you if you don't mind on Apple Podcasts because we are approaching ever so closely to that perfect 5.0 status and we would certainly love it if, if you could give a quick minute and a shout out to us that being said if you're trying to jot down some of these albums artists, tracks, etc. there's no need for you to do that we've got you covered all you have to do is visit our website and we're mobile friendly with the website too it's Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find each of the artists, the song titles, in the order in which they're played, along with the album artwork, so you know what to look for. And of course, support local record stores if you've got them. They are a national treasure. We should keep as many of those up, around, and floating as possible. Um... But yeah, that way you know what to go and, and dig in your crates for. So, 
And also at the top of the page there at the website, you can click contact and write us. If you're not soliciting anything, we will write you back. We do get a couple of, of emails from our wonderful listeners and we will write you back. You know, um, that being said, I'm going to stop talking so we can get to our next great set of music, which starts with an institution that Lee Morgan was definitively a part of, which is the great Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
So we had three very different tracks in that set. And as I said before, we're going chronologically. So the first tune that we heard was probably one of the best-known tunes from Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Um, it comes from an October 30th, 1958 Blue Note album entitled Monin, written by the great pianist Bobby Timmons. And that's the track that we heard, the title track. Uh, of course, it features Lee Morgan, our spotlight artist on the trumpet, the living legend Benny Golson on the tenor saxophone, composer and pianist Bobby Timmons on the piano, Jimmy Merritt on the bass, and the leader of this group and the drummer, the great Art Blakey on drums. And this is one of the classic tunes in all of jazz uh, as I said with Blue Train, this is just one of the those tracks that is in a Jazz Best compilation just about anywhere you go. If it's worth its salt, it, it'll have an Art Blakey tune, and most times that tune will probably be moaning. So, yeah, killer, killer music. Great solos by Lee and company. Um, and I love the way that... Uh, th- the, the solos kind of dovetail with each other between Lee Morgan and Benny Golson. You know, one hand kind of washes the other from one solo, the end of one solo into the beginning of the other. And, um, yeah, that's just great music. Great music, great improvisation, great musicality uh, on the part of these artists. Um, in the middle of that set there, it seems like we took a detour or maybe you thought I, I programmed the wrong kind of song, you know, for this episode of the podcast, but you would be wrong because it's a track from 1959, believe it or not, called Isma'e, which translates to listen. And it comes from uh, the great bassist and Oud player, uh, Ahmed Abdul Malik. Now, if that name might jump, you know, jumble something in your memory or jog your mind. It's because you've probably heard that name before, even though you don't, might not. You realize that you've heard that name before. See, Ahmed Abdul Malik was a bassist for a short period of time with the great Thelonious Monk. And if you've ever seen that, uh, the story of jazz, uh, clip from, I believe it's 1958, um, from the Herridge, Robert Herridge Theater on CBS. It had um, Count Basie playing with um, an all-star band with like Roy Eldridge, Coleman Hawkins, Jerry Mulligan. Um, they also had Billy Holiday singing Fine and Mellow with Jerry Mulligan and Roy Eldridge and Lester Young and Coleman Hawkins and Ben Webster, um, Vic Dickinson, cats like that. And um, Jimmy Juvery was playing with like Pee Wee Russell for a track. And one of the tracks was Blue Monk with the Thelonious Monk trio and like Basie's like laying his elbow on the piano and staring at Monk the whole time. A monk's in his like very hip cabbie hat and shades, bamboo kind of shades, and 
you know, in his stoic self doing his thing. But the bass player on that was Ahmed Abdul Malik. Another reason you might remember his name is because recently, when I say recently, I mean, I don't know, probably a decade or so ago, they released the John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk live at Carnegie Hall concert. And besides those two, Monk and Train, there was Shadow Wilson on the drums and, you guessed it, Ahmed Abdul Malik on the bass. So, um, he's a fantastic bass player, but he's also a great leader in his own right. And this comes from the track that we heard, um, Ismae, listen, comes from his album East Meast. East Meets West um, from the March 16th, 1959 track or session. And it features quite a number of great cats. Uh, Ahmed Abdul Malik is on bass and out. Benny Golson is on tenor sax. Uh, Johnny Griffin is also on tenor sax. Uh, let's see. Ahmed Yetman is on the Kanoon, which is like a musical box. Naeem Karakand is on the violin. Bilal Abdur- Abdurrahman and Mike Hamway is on goblet drums, the Darabekas. And Al Harewood is on the regular drum set, along with our featured spotlight trumpeter Lee Morgan. And that's just a really cool kind of track. It, it, it's very out there. And it's out there even more completely if you think about it in the chronological sense of what was going on in 1959. You know, 1959 has been um, argued to be like the most creative year, the golden year uh, of jazz. In that, in that one 12-month span, you had kind of blue come out. You had giant steps come out, Dave Brubeck's Time Out, Charles Mingus's Mingus Ah Um came out, Ornette Coleman's The Shape of Jazz to Come came out, Horace Silver's Blowing the Blues Away came out, uh, I believe Ella Fitzgerald started her songbook series that year for Verve Records. Uh, also, Gil Evans and Miles Davis started recording uh, the first sessions for Sketches of Spain. And this all happened in 1959 it's kind of like this really galvanized year for for jazz creativity um but also it's important to note that projects like this with ahmed abdul malik uh fusing together an eastern music with western improvisation ideas uh in his east meets west album was happening that exact same year so yeah i mean it 1959 is the year that you know is that keeps on giving so there you go now let's fast forward a a few years to 1963 the last track that we heard in that set was a tune called evolution uh by the great forward-thinking trombonist gratian moncur the the third and it featured it is on the Blue Note album Evolution, uh, with Gratian Moncour as the leader. Lee Morgan, our spotlighted artist, is the trumpet player. Jackie McLean is the alto. 
uh, saxophone player on the session. Bobby Hutcherson is on vibraphone. Bob Crenshaw is on bass. And the one and only Tony Williams on drums. Now, uh, this is an interesting little track. Uh, and I say little to be humorous because it was quite a long, lengthy track. But um, as part of the liner notes to this album, A.B. Spellman from uh, 1964, it was re- it was recorded in a session in 63, but <clears throat> it wasn't released till 64. A.B. Spellman started out for the liner notes saying that my initial reaction to this record, the first representation on LP of Gratian Moncourt's work as a composer and a leader, was surprise. I'd expected to hear a hip, hard-bopping J.J. Johnson-esque trombonist leading a band with a like bent through tunes as familiar as the IND subway line. But what I got was a serious and courageous date composed out of an audacious interest in the more open methods of solo and group improvisation and the kind of playing that's already been declared anathema by the more conservative factions of the jazz world. Gratian Moncur is certainly hip, his blowing's often hard, and he has a declared affinity for J.J. Johnson, but he is far, far ahead of the mainstream of post-Johnson trombonists. I'd say that Gratian Moncur, on the basis of this record, and Roswell Rudd, have it to themselves in the area of avant-garde jazz trombone. But then, I may be in for more surprises like this one. I certainly hope so. So, he, it goes on and on and on. But it's important to know that Gratian Moncur was 26 years old when he recorded this album with Jack McLean and Lee Morgan and Tony Williams and Bobby Hutchison, Bob Crenshaw. Um, they, they asked um, Moncur about some of his thought processes for these tunes on the album. And as for the tunes, they were all written, all the tunes were written by Gratian Moncur III, uh, but Evolution was even conducted by Moncur. And he says, this is Moncur speaking now, not Spellman. I used only whole notes in the track Evolution. I wanted the melody and the rhythm to be one thing, so I tried to keep the time as much in the horns as in the drums. By the title, Evolution, I meant to suggest the beginning of a change in mankind. And if that's the information, pep talk, whatever you want to call it, that he gave to Jack McLean and Lee Morgan and Bobby Hutchison, I think that's pretty evident because there was quite a vibe of seriousness to each of the solos. It wasn't this bouncy, happy sort of stuff. It, it was it was deep. And I alluded to this in the previous podcast of Lee Morgan as a leader, but about this exact same time, you want to talk about crazy chronology. About this same time, he had recorded this tune that he thought was more like a, a, a filler 
for for one of his albums and he's just like oh this will be nothing you know let's just do a little groovy tune and be done with it we'll we'll let that be the title of the album well that groovy little tune that he just recorded and wrote as a filler tune happened to be the sidewinder which is probably one of the more if not the most well-known lee morgan tune in his entire catalog and he went on to say that he 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 was honest about it. He said, "I just recorded that tune as like a little filler part for an album. I thought that the the musical stylings that I was performing on albums like Evolution that we just heard by Gratian Monker the Third and kind of its avant-garde sense was much more deeper musically speaking and was more indicative of what I could do with my artistry than the Sidewinder. But the Sidewinder." Definitely had a trickle down effect, which I talk about more in that in the in the leader um, Lee Morgan episode. So you'll have to check that out. But what's more important is that we are hearing this side of Lee Morgan, the avant garde ish side of Lee Morgan, and it's worth noting that he could do both. He was that versatile uh of a, as an artist and he had that much musicality inside of him that he could also he could go boogaloo and groovy like the sidewinder um he could go hard bop with coltrane he could play standards like all the things you are and he could also do tunes like this by gratian monker the third on top of the track that we just heard before a very eastern sounding tune with isma a so, yeah, I think some of this stuff gets lost when we when we throw out names like Lee Morgan. Like, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, great artist, Lee Morgan. But how deep do you really know Lee Morgan? Do you know that he recorded with Gratian Monker III? Do you know that he recorded with Ahmed Abdul-Malik? On top of the work that he did with Coltrane and Blakey and the stuff as himself as a leader. So... That's what we're here to kind of shed a spotlight on is let you know kind of like the full story. I mean, it took us a while to really dig up and, 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 and get a bunch of these tracks together. But I think it's well worth it that we're finally doing it and we're doing it the right way. It's kind of like, do you want it done quickly or do you want it done correctly? Right. That's the age old question. Well, we always err on the side of correctly. So hopefully you've dug these uh, tunes and it's expanded your mind, even if you know a little bit about Lee Morgan. And if you don't, then hey, you've got something cool to talk about with your jazz buds. You know what I mean? Awesome. So I'm going to stop talking so we can get to our next set of music. Remember, we are featuring on this episode of the podcast Lee Morgan, Consummate Sideman, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
Yes, sir. Three fine, fine, fine tunes right there. And all a little bit different, too. All right. So, as I said, we're going chronologically here with Lee Morgan as a si- in a sideman capacity. So, the first tune that we started out with in that set was a Wayne Shorter composition entitled Black Nile. And it is one of the most popular tunes to play among uh, Wayne tunes, that is, uh, among jazz musicians. It was recorded April 29th, 1964 at um, Rudy's Place with Rudy Van Gelder um, in Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey. And it comes off of the Blue Note album for Wayne Shorter, Night Dreamer, which is just a landmark album. It's a gorgeous album. Like It's one of the top, top, top cream of the crop. Wayne albums for Blue Note. It's right up there with Speak No Evil, Juju, yeah. Anyway, Black Nile uh, consists of Elvin Jones on the drums, Reggie Workman on the bass, McCoy Tyner on piano. Does that rhythm section sound familiar? It should, because it's Coltrane's rhythm section in 1964 at the height of Coltrane's prowess. Like, they were the rhythm section, you know. It's like back in the 50s, you had the rhythm section with like, you know, uh, you had, what was it, Paul Chambers on bass, Philly Joe Jones on drums, and uh, Red Red Garland on piano, and that was known as the rhythm section because it was Miles' rhythm section. Well, for the younger cats like Wayne Shorter and a lot of, you know, a lot of the Blue Note cats very specifically, the rhythm section consisted of Coltrane's rhythm section, which was Elvin Jones. Reggie Workman and McCoy Tyner. Um, yeah, so you're not going to get a better rhythm section than that if you're like somebody like a young Wayne Shorter. And Wayne Shorter's on tennis sax, but he has Lee Morgan, our spotlighted artist, on trumpet as a sideman for this entire album, and it's just fantastic music. It, it has a sense of like a night in Tunisia kind of feel, but it's a little bit more modern thinking than just uh, a copycat or a contrafact with those same chord changes, you know. Whew. And then for the middle tune that we heard there, oh my goodness, Lee Morgan is in kind of like, I guess you would want to call it like a co-leader kind of fashion. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, it's officially listed under Freddie Hubbard's name. But I think you could call Lee Morgan a co-leader on this particular album. Because it's called A Night of the Cookers. And it's a two-CD set. And there's only two tracks per CD. So it's not like there's a short track to be found on this album. And it really doesn't need to be. It's a live album. They capture the entire thing. And it is just chock full of energy and excitement. I mean, it this album is one of the few that literally is just crackling. And we heard a Freddie Hubbard original composition to open disc two called Jodo. And man, oh man, oh man. You've got this anonymous figure called Big Black on the congas. Pete LaRocca's on drums. Harold Mayburn is on the piano. Larry Ridley is on the bass, which, as I mentioned in one of the um, the tracks with Lee Morgan as a leader, 
Larry Ridley was on one of those tracks as well, and he is best known as being um, part of one of the best configurations of the of the Thelonious Monk Quartet. And, um, yeah, I mean, Larry Ridley is definitely an unsung hero as far as getting his dues on bass. But every time he shows up, he delivers. So there you go. Uh, James Spaulding is on alto sax and flute. He was also uh, on one of Freddie Hubbard's albums, Hubtones, playing alto sax and flute. Uh, and Hubtones is a very uh, quintessential Hubbard album for Blue Note Records. And then on the trumpet chairs, I mean, Freddie Hubbard and Lee Morgan, two uh, of the it trumpet players of the time. I mean, this was recorded live at the Club La Marchal in Brooklyn, New York, April 9th and April 10th, 1965. I mean, since the late 50s on to about this point, there were two main trumpet players for Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, and that was Lee Morgan, followed by Freddie Hubbard, and then the only person Art could find who could take Freddie's place right after Freddie left was Lee Morgan again. That's how quintessential both of these trumpet players were at this particular time period from the late 50s to the mid-60s. Uh, that's how just quintessential they were for for jazz trumpet at that point in time there was miles and then there was freddie and, and lee and you can mix the order whatever way you want those are the three it guys um yeah and so to have a trumpet battle between freddie hubbard and lee morgan it's just killer it really is and again this is a blue note record and it's it just crackles from beginning to end. It just crackles. So it's a very long track. I get that. It's 23 minutes, but 23 minutes of, of just groovy bliss, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Then we ended the set with a Hank Mobley session, you know? Now, Hank Mobley has been on plenty of um, Lee Morgan's, you know, outings as a leader, but here is one that he wrote, or here is a, a, a session that he led, and it includes Lee Morgan as well. So the tune that we heard to end that set was a tune called Ricardo Bossa Nova, written by Jalma Ferrero. And it features Lee Morgan, our spotlighted artist on trumpet, Hank Mobley on the tennis sax, Harold Mayburn Jr. on the piano, Larry Ridley again on the bass, yay Larry Ridley, and on drums, Billy Higgins. And I'm going to take a quick second to uh, clue you into something here. So, if you've already heard the first episode, you know what I'm probably about to say. If you haven't, you're in for it. Billy Higgins is one of the constant calls that Lee Morgan made for his own sessions as a leader. Billy Higgins uh, was definitively a, a like a, a staple for a lot of Lee Morgan sessions. And he was on more tracks than not out of those 12 for that episode of Lee Morgan as a leader. Strangely, sadly, I don't know which way you want to look at it. This is the only track out of all 12 of these tracks where Billy Higgins plays drums, where Lee Morgan is a side man. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. 
but it is what it is. So there you go. There is at least one connecting thread between Lee Morgan as a sideman with Billy Higgins and Lee Morgan as a leader with a lot of Billy Higgins tracks. So, yep, that's a, a, a definitive part of the Lee Morgan story, so to speak. So there you go. Um, yeah. So thank you again for listening. Um, we've got one more set coming at you. Did want to do a quick PSA. Don't forget that you can find the Dr. Jazz podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, TuneIn, um, was it Podbean or something like that? Bean Pod, something like that. Anyway, it's there too. Um, yes. So, and, uh, if you're trying to jot down titles and artists and stuff like that, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. All of that information is on our website. Just simply go to Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find information as far as artists, track titles, and the album artwork in the order in which they're played for each episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Also at the top of the page there, it says a couple of things, and then it says contact. If you click that, it will take you to a box that will email directly to us. And we will write you back as long as you're not soliciting something like, you know, jazz chewing gum or some kind of book that we haven't read. We don't feel comfortable uh, soliciting out, you know, promotions for books that we haven't read or movies or documentaries that we haven't seen or albums that we haven't heard. So there you go. And we're not about to, like, throw in some original tune that some guy in, you know, Wisconsin wrote that has nothing to do with Lee Morgan. That's not what we're doing with this podcast. That's not what we're about. So we keep it, you know, on the up and up for everybody here. So, and remember, we're not making a dime off this. We're doing it out of the love of jazz and the love of our hearts as a labor of love to just spread good vibes to everybody. So there you go. We actually have to pay to upload this stuff on a platform. Um, yeah. So that being said, if you do write us, we will write you back. We do appreciate you. If you're one of our listeners, uh, if you got a quick sec, please write a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We're oh so close to getting to that 5.0 perfect status, and we would love to achieve it sooner than later. So, yeah, if you've got a quick minute, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, that being said, we hope you have dug this show so far. We've, Like I said, we've got one more set of music for you um, with just some killer, killer musicians. And, um, yeah, it's about time, you know, that we, we did this Lee Morgan Spotlight. Like I said, it's been in the works for quite a while. We'd rather do it correctly than quickly. So for those of you who've been clamoring for a Lee Morgan podcast, here's a twofer for you, and we certainly hope you enjoy it. Uh, even if you're not familiar with Lee Morgan, hopefully you found some cool tracks that you dig. Okay? So enough talking for me. Let's get to our last set of Lee Morgan, Consummate Sideman, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
So we started off that set with a, an original tune written by Lee Morgan called Soft Blue. 
and it comes from the 1965 Jackie McLean Blue Note album, Jackknife, which featured Lee Morgan on the trumpet, Jackie McLean on the alto saxophone, Larry Willis on the piano, Larry Ridley again, yay, on the bass, and the inimitable Jack DeJeanette on the drums. Yeah, beautiful tune written by Lee Morgan there. Then, in the middle of that, we heard one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Blue Note tunes. Uh, it's a Joe Henderson composition entitled Caribbean Fire Dance. And it comes from Joe Henderson's Blue Note outing from 1966 titled Mode for Joe, which is chock full of genius. Joe Henderson's on the tenor saxophone. Our man Lee Morgan is on the trumpet. Curtis Fuller's on the trombone. Bobby Hutchison's on the vibes. Cedar Walton is on the piano who wrote uh, the title track for this album. Ron Carter, hashtag Planet Elegance, Living Legend is on the bass, and Joe Chambers is on the drums. I just love that guttural cry that Lee Morgan comes in with during his solo. It's like, and he does it again. It's like, it's almost like this, clarion call and you, you just can't ignore it it's so full of fire passion emotion and personality you just gotta love it and then we ended the set with a great mccoy tyner and one of his compositions named the man from tanganyika from his 1967 blue note album tender moments and it's got lee morgan our man on the trumpet julian priester on the trombone Again, James Spalding on alto sax and flute. Benny Maupin on the tenor sax. Bob Northern on French horn. Howard Johnson on tuba. McCoy Tyner on piano. Herbie Lewis on bass. And Joe Chambers on drums. Two members of what would become the Mwandishi group with Herbie Hancock right there. All right. So that wraps everything up. Hopefully you have dug this whole lee morgan episode of lee morgan as a side man uh, a killer member of art blakey and the jazz messengers a great leader in his own right please check out that first part of this two-part spotlight on trumpet great lee morgan uh, i will conclude by saying the same thing that i said to end the other podcast he was unfortunately shot uh at a performance in February of 1972 at Slug Saloon in New York City's East Village, and he bled to death because the snow was so bad that the ambulances could not get to him in time. He was 33. His common-law wife is the one that shot him there. She was arrested and in prison for a short time. Uh, and all of this is in the documentary by Casper Collin called I Called Him Morgan. That's the name of the documentary. I called him Morgan. I own this. I can attest to it. It's fantastic. You will not go wrong uh, watching it, learning even more about Lee Morgan and his legacy of into jazz. Uh, another great book that I can vouch for is um, Jeff McMillan's Delightful Lee, L-E-E, -E, at the end. The Life and Music of Lee Morgan as part of the Jazz Perspectives. Uh, series and yeah that's a fantastic book as well so thank you for listening we hope you dig it uh you dug it and you found some tunes that maybe you didn't know about or revisited some tunes that you do know about and love so in the famous words of duke ellington you are wonderful 
You are gracious, and we do love you madly. And so, until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now. Because in jazz, we trust.